favorite old soul, Speedy, the old phrase of the day is hee-haw. <laughs> hee-haw. Oh, that crazy Sam Wainwright. Woo. Honestly, I'm not going to lie to you. The entire day, I was going to make it hot dog. But then in this very <laughs> moment, I was like, I, I say hot dog a lot in my own life. But hee-haw, this time of year is something special. Oh, well, it's funny that you say that, that you normally say hot dog. My, you say it a lot. You say it a lot. Yeah. My mother says hee-haw in her everyday really? life because of Sam Wainwright. Yes. No. So <laughs> I think one of my top five favorite parts of It's a Wonderful Life, which is our main topic today, is when he's driving to Florida and they're in Bailey Park or whatever. Yeah. And he's with his new wife and he's driving away. But instead of having his hands on the wheel while he drives, he first has to go hee-haw and put his hands on his head. <laughs> like, it's so important that he says his catchphrase in every moment that he's in in the movie. But, like, does your mom use it in that way? Like, how does she use it in regular life? In in regular life, as, yeah, as, like, a fun exclamation, like, maybe where you would normally say, ha-ha, that's funny, or ha-ha, that's weird. She'll go, hee-haw. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. All right. <laughs> and I'll tell you that this is, I think this and 12 Angry Men are my dad's two favorite movies. So Ooh. this is also a very important movie to my family. So no matter what we say today <laughs> and whether or not it's a Christmas movie or not, yes. and whether or not this movie holds up or not, please know that we both, I probably shouldn't speak for you, but I'm no, pretty you confident. Can speak we, for both, me. Yes. <laughs> we both adore this movie. Very much so. Oh, yes. Been yes. in my family long, long time because it's been around my whole life. So that makes sense. But I've been watching it for years. My family was but in the, the musical version. Oh, oh really? Oh, oh yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. Oh, wow. But we should mention, like, this movie, I'm going to do some double negatives. This movie is not not 80 years old. <laughs> it is 80 years old. Yes. So it's okay if, you know, we have some feedback. Yeah. We're supposed to grow as a film industry. Right. Right? So we can have some thoughts. But overall, and we'll get into this. Right. I would say this movie holds up pretty darn well. Yeah, for the most part. You know, of course, there are a couple couple moments where you raise some eyebrows and you go, whoo, well. Uh, <laughs> Just give her the bathrobe, George. I know. <laughs> right, I Just know. give her the bathrobe. This is a hilarious bit, but she kind of ends the scene in tears, shivering in a bush. You're like, whoo. <laughs> but his dad died, so you feel worse for him. But that was kind of cruel, George. The guy yeah. just said to kiss her. That's it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and and the scene right before uh, George and Mary decide to get married, you know, he does shake her aggressively and is shouting in her face like, "You listen here, I never want to get married." Well, okay, and yeah, I, the greatest I love story of, the, of all the time. That age. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the things that ages the worst about this movie is like this concept of like getting married is settling. Yeah. Like, he's shaking her to say, like, I know I'm about to give up on my dreams yet again, but damn it, I love you. It could just be like, right. hey, do you want to travel together? Yeah. <laughs> I think everything in life would be better with you. Yeah. I bet she would want to go to Iceland if he would just ask. Yeah. Like also, I, we're going to keep doing this. We're going to keep skipping around the movie. We're going to do our normal <laughs> things and then get into the movie. Uh, right, we're just too excited like a, to talk about it. We're like, let's get I into know. it. Uh, we're just so excited. But um, I love when... After they get married and they go into the house for like their honeymoon, like the friend stage for them, like they're at like a resort and it's actually the house that yeah. they're gonna live in. That um, he has a brochure and it just says South America on it in all caps. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't alive then, but like I can't imagine there was like a South America tourism brochure 
pamphlet maker that just like sent out a, right and somehow you could fit all of south america into like a three-fold brochure it's <laughs> <laughs> like we have this new thing called the panama canal <laughs> come on down gee whiz <laughs> You gotta see this thing. Okay. I mean, I'm sure you could just drop them off at any location in South America. And the mentality back then would have been, oh, we've gone to the foreign land. That's right. <laughs> We're in South. I mean, I, I mean, like, if we ever talk about Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, mm. where do they go? I don't Ecuador? remember. They go to a South they American go to, country. They, they sure go to South America. Yeah. yeah, it does not go well. So, <laughs> George, but he's not going to rob banks. Okay. Um, Let's do first, we did hee-haw and hot dog as our old phrase today. I did not look up a new one for everybody like we usually do because I just like those phrases a lot. And I'm going <laughs> to say it a lot during the podcast. Uh, let's now do uh, previously on this week, the week of December 6th. Speedy, what do you got? Oh, yes. I have uh, in 1972 this week, something curious happened to Keith Richards of the Rolling Stones. Uh, he was reading the morning newspaper when he read in the paper that uh, there was... Uh, a warrant for his arrest and his girlfriend for drug possession. So he's reading the paper and goes, oh, no. That was <laughs> 1972, Keith Richards. Uh, is that like, like the 10th time that it happened? I. This is a great question. <laughs> right? I would imagine right? so. He's just is like, again. All the time? <laughs> oh, again. <laughs> Man, they were making like their best albums around then, too. We did a Rolling Stones episode, but yeah. so. We've established our fandom, but that is awesome. Do you have, do you have another one? Is that your big one? Oh yeah, uh, I, that that was the the funny one. I've got that is great. I've, I've got two more, which are okay. Oh, they're such riots. <laughs> You're gonna hate know. me, Danny. Uh, what would you do? This week in 1941 was Pearl Harbor. <laughs> well, you know what? That actually ties really well into It's a Wonderful Life. So I'm not that mad at you because that movie came out in '46. There's a lot of World War II things about it. So there are. Thank you. You've justified w what I've done. And also John Lennon <laughs> well, was shot this week. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He was, I think he was, I think it's just, I, oh, I think it's, sorry, he's born October 9th. And then I think he died like the 6th, 7th or 8th. You're right. In 18, 1980. Yeah. Oh, very good. You you said Should the guess date which in there. One it is? You can guess. Cause it's one of the ones you said. <laughs> I think it's the 6th. Wah, wah. You got Damn. two more options. It's two more. Okay, I think it's the eighth. Yeah, you're right. All right, let's hey. go. Let's go. <laughs> In nineteen eighty. Okay, so thanks for bringing the mood down, like you always do. <laughs> thanks for always bringing the mood down. Okay, really quickly, we always do a misheard lyric when we start off the show. Today is me. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm going to be the misheard lyric because my whole life, <laughs> this happened. My, my steady gal and I were watching an episode of New Girl, where they play eye of the tiger on bells and i realized that i don't know what the last line of the chorus is oh so i, I tried to type it out so like it's like it's the eye of the tiger it's the thrill of the fight rising up to the challenge of our rival and the last known survivor stalks his prey in the night and then it's what <laughs> it just kind of sounds like a scream yes, exactly. wow I, I literally, so I was sitting there with her, and she was watching me. And I just kept playing the last line over and over again because I couldn't even make a bad guess. <laughs> I couldn't even think of something funny because I just genuinely didn't. Like, he's just like, hands of the tiger. tiger. So I, I was yeah. thinking, like, oh, the last word is probably I. But it doesn't sound like it because he's like, in the eye. So I guess he's saying eyes. So anyway, it turns out the words are, 
and he's watching us all with the eye of the tiger. Wow. I, I never would have known, truly. Yeah, it just sounds like a battle cry. That's all it is. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it turns out he really is saying eye of the tiger, but I only knew that because I can hear him saying of the tiger afterwards. I never knew he was saying I. I so we're doing yeah. that from the band Survivor. Um, okay, real quick, before we get into It's Wonderful Life, Speedy, can I just share some word vomit thoughts on Get Back? Oh, please, please. I would love to absorb them. Okay, thank you. Okay, this is extremely spoiler heavy because I figured, I think a lot of people are in the same boat. I think they were like, oh, I'm really excited about this. This is amazing. This like unseen footage. And then they got like 10 minutes into it and they were like, oh, there's no production value. It's just going to be hanging out with the Beatles for seven hours while they... (laughs) And passive aggressively argue and jam and they're disappointed about that that sounds like a great time i know a lot of things always sound good in theory until you sit down to watch them and then you have this <laughs> anxiety driven um thought that you should be checking your phone every 10 minutes oh, and in our fast-paced world like it's the guy who made lord of the rings right it's peter jackson who made it so right it's like each episode's like a little under well no i think it goes like 230 then three hours and like 220 so it's like always like a lord of the rings length movie but instead of them like climbing mount mordor in this action-packed <laughs> uh hit, iconic book recreation it's just like john lennon really not giving a crap about the beatles anymore and for some reason yoko's in every shot <laughs> but what's crazy is that like there's so many things you always read about that are actually in it and that's oh. like what blows your mind like even like little things like i'd always read that you know song octopus's garden oh of course yes so i always read that like ringo wrote it and then george kind of helped him because george could write songs and ringo couldn't and then you actually see it like ringo comes in you know the piano he's like oh i have this song about an octopus garden he starts playing it and then george is like walking through and you're like whoa they got it on tape this is so cool but you know you yeah. have, that's like that's like five hours in so <laughs> <laughs> oh that's wild though I mean, that blows my mind that they could capture the real moment that that happened. And I'm justifying it as it must have been a recreation. They must have gone, <laughs> oh, people people are going to talk about that. Get that. Start rolling. But I know. It's really weird. Yeah. Like, they're actually, like, arguing and the cameras are there. Like, wow. the most emotional part is in the second one when Paul McCartney realizes the Beatles are going to break up soon. Mm. And George has quit the band. John's just in bed with Yoko, probably on drugs. And it's just... <laughs> him and Ringo and Paul just goes and then there were two and he's like crying whoa and he was like I can't believe we're like here and the camera just stays in for 10 seconds she's like I can't believe we're here for him to realize the Beatles are ending also the get back it really helps cement Paul's legacy because he took a lot of the brunt of it because he was the first one to announce his first solo album so everyone just assumed that he was at fault but you can see when you watch it, so like Paul was the only one trying anymore. Wow. And like George just wanted to do his own thing. Yeah. And John just wanted to hang out with Yoko. And Ringo just drums. And <laughs> really, he's really good at it. He's a really Wait, good he's drummer. He's an amazing drummer. People are very rude to Ringo. Drummer. No, no, no. no. <laughs> they, they are. They're, no, but they're like, they're, um, they're just indifferent to George. And then Ringo just sits there. But like George. <laughs> will play some of like the biggest hits from his first album. Like he plays All Things Must Pass, which is the name of his first album. And they're like, Yeah. Mm. 
Wow. <gasps> like they just don't care. Like you just you don't blame them at all for being like I'm over this. Like I, yeah, I'm a good songwriter now. Like I'm I'm gonna go do my own thing. And there's a moment where he, he looks at John and Yoko and just the three of them, and he's like, you know, I wrote all these songs and this people who are probably better than me that could play them but you know what f it i'm gonna try it myself i'm just gonna do my own thing and john's like yeah you should and you're like yeah george do it (laughs) don't waste something on them don't give something to them they're gonna get your best song damn it (laughs) (laughs) wow i mean that that sounds like a great experience to watch them because when you are not part of their dynamic and all the conflict that was going on you know it's it's you just want them to stay together because they're the Beatles. Like, no, they can never break up. I, I, know. I, I texted my dad and I was like, I finished it. And he texted me back and he was like, so do they break up? <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah they, they still do. Um, but we, we can get to the movie. I, I just I just wanted to say that for people who aren't going to watch the whole thing, I don't blame you because you have to really like watching the Beatles jam for a while. But there are some really intimate moments like okay the best part of the whole thing in the second episode john and after john like is late and paul's crying with the band being over john finally comes in and him and paul have a a special secret talk (gasps) about him and yoko about john just not really writing songs anymore not really contributing at all and the film crew plants a microphone in a flower pot whoa and you're and you're you're listening to this <laughs> secret recording. And while there's a party that's like, well, it's a little unethical. The other part of you is like, it's been fifty years. Damn it, let me in. <laughs> this is awesome. I'm hearing a private combo. This is cool. Well, because that was gonna be right before you mentioned the flower pot. I was gonna say, and they let the cameras in on their super secret talk. Of <laughs> yeah, course not. Super secret. Hey, they were great to documentary. Whatever. Um, also, there's a part that would make you mad, but it is kind of funny. Because the reason they're, like, in this studio making this documentary is because Ringo's about to make this movie that bombed with Peter Sellers of oh. Pink Panther fame. Yes, yes, yes. And, and Peter Sellers walks in, and none of the Beatles care. Wow. They're just like, hey. And you're like, that's Peter Sellers! Somebody says something! <laughs> Nobody cares about Peter Sellers at all. Wow. Right, not even for the sake of, like, Oh, so nice to have you over. They're just like, no, they're just like, whatever. They're just tired. It's whatever. Okay, I'll start talking about it, but I just had some thoughts. Uh, It makes Paul age really well because you can tell he's a leader. Um, Mm -hmm. It cements that Yoko really did never go away and that John (laughs) was pretty dejected at that point, didn't really want to be there anymore. And that George, George had a right to be frustrated to one go do his own solo stuff, which explains why he came out with this really, really long album as soon as they broke up. And yeah, Ringo's a good drummer. Okay. Also, Ringo <laughs> seems, seems like the most likable one for sure. Oh, Ringo seems the most likable. Yes. <laughs> okay. Let's get to "It's Wonderful Life." Um, Barstool, the new AFI. Um, <laughs> they tweeted out their list of the top ten Christmas movies of all time, and "It's a Wonderful Life" was number one. Number one. And I think that's interesting because so many people debate if it's a Christmas movie in the first place. Yeah. And then other people say it's the best one. That's crazy. Wow. Well, when I mentioned to my roommates that the reason I was 
brushing up on my It's a Wonderful Life was part of it was to discuss its merits as a Christmas movie. There was uproar in my home, <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> there were screams of, what are you talking about? Of course it is. And look at the opening title credits. There's little Christmas trees on it and mistletoe. It's clearly a, a Christmas movie and intended to be one. Um, yeah, but I, but I I don't think it's quite as, as cut and dry personally. So yeah, interesting that it's number one on that list. Wow. I do think it's funny that I was like, hey, you know, it'd be a great podcast if a Jewish guy decided if It's a Wonderful Life was a Christmas movie. <laughs> right? We should leave it up to him. Hey, we, we wrote most Christmas songs anyway. I think we have some say in the matter. Yeah. You, you should be allowed a seat at this table. At the head of yeah. the table, perhaps. Also, Jesus is a Jew. Yeah, he's a Jew. So That's why I don't mind Christmas. It's just the birthday party for the most famous Jew. He he had a big breakout role, you know. He made it big, made it big time. We're proud of him. <laughs> Went mainstream. Can't blame him. Right, we're celebrating um, your uh, boy. That's right. He's his brethren. Okay, I before we get into different analytics about it, I do want to touch on its story. How much do you know about how this movie came to be? Uh very little. All I know is that I think the the team that wrote it, it was a couple of people. I don't think they got along. No, they did, not. they did not. But it, so it, it, this movie is as much of an underdog as George Bailey, which is kind of fun. <laughs> it represents him in a lot of ways. So this guy wrote it um, named Philip Van Doren Stern called The Greatest Gift, and nobody wanted it. <laughs> so no one wanted to publish it. So he just like made it into like a 19-page greeting card, like a greeting card Whoa. with a little story. Little, um, really? little story. Yeah, yeah, and he sent it around, and one of the people that got it was his agent in L.A., and then eventually got optioned, and it was going to be a Cary Grant movie, and then it eventually got to Frank Capra, and what's fun about it is that um, Frank Capra had just got done doing documentary stuff serving for World War II, and Jimmy Stewart had just gotten done with World War II. Mm -hmm. They both served, so it was each of their first movies since serving in World War II. Wow. So it... You can you can kind of tell how like after like one of the worst things to ever happen on our planet, the two of them are trying to champion the like the human spirit. Yeah. Oh wow. Well, we yeah. sure needed it. We sure needed it, didn't we, Danny? Dark times. <laughs> yeah, we we need it now too. Also, there's a part of the movie just so sad when um the guy who does the prescriptions, his boss, Mister Gowan, Mr. Gower. I think someone. Mr. Gower. Yeah. Well, and like they get the telegram that his son dies of influenza. Yeah. And it was sad. Like when I saw that, I was like, oh, that happens all the time now. I know. <laughs> I We're had... in a pandemic, you know? Like, wow, we've yeah. really not come very far. This is sad. Right. Oof. Oh, Mr. Gower. Oh, he was so hey, distraught anyway. and sweaty. Oh, boy. Poor man. <laughs> <laughs> and then one more thing about the movie is that it did not um, do well. Oh, really? People didn't know it was a very big budget movie, but they created like a whole set for it, but it, it didn't do well. People thought it was too corny. Let me read the New York Times review from critic Bosley Crowther. <laughs> wrote, the weakness of this picture is the sentimentality of it. George Bailey is a, a fragment of simple Pollyanna platitudes. <laughs> which basically just means optimism. Mm -hmm. um, that should have else, been the old phrase of the day. Yeah. Platitude, Pollyanna platitudes. Pollyanna platitudes. <laughs> <laughs> we have the limu, emu, and then the Pollyanna platitude platypus. 
and then someone from the New Republic said, it's an easy, simple-minded path that doesn't give much credit to the intelligence of the audience. No. So it didn't oh, do wow. well, and then they didn't um, renew their copyright for it, and it went into public domain in the 70s, and then it played on all these TV channels because it was free television, and then everybody loved it all of a sudden. Oh, my gosh. And then everybody came around to it, and now it's a classic. And for both Frank Capra and Jimmy Stewart have said that it's their favorite movie that they've done. And I think I have... Okay, it's on AFI. In 1998, it was number 11 on the American Film Institute's Greatest Movies Ever. In 2007, it was number 20 on their Whoa. list. And so... But it only now it gained was, popularity because people didn't care enough to... <laughs> to pay for it. So, yeah. yeah. So it kind of has this underdog mentality. And just like George Bailey, it made no money until everybody <laughs> felt bad. <laughs> suddenly it was rich. Mm. I will say, though, it was nominated for Best Picture. It just didn't make a lot of money. Oh, well. Okay. Yeah, people didn't like it, but they're like, but the craft is good. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> also, I bought, I'm holding it up, the Life magazine. It's a wonderful life. Oh, my god. They goodness. have like a little special on it, so I bought it. Because I, honestly, I just wanted to see if uh, Zuzu, his youngest daughter, is still alive, and apparently she's still alive. Oh, so she both is. Time her on the podcast. Yeah. Oh man, if we if we could get Zuzu on here. Well, I want to get her on, but I'm a little I'm a little worried, Speedy. What if she comes on, and then we're like, "So you were in It's a Wonderful Life. What do you remember about it?" And then she's like, "Well, I was four. <laughs> <laughs> so i don't and then we'll be like okay um yeah what were the 50s like <laughs> well i was four so. <laughs> yeah yeah so she's really not gonna remember anything and then but i would love to have her on and you're welcome if you're listening please come on our podcast um okay yeah. before we get to its christmasiness let's talk about the movie itself you and i made a giant google doc of question prompts yes we did <laughs> Um, I was, first off, I wanted to see which of us does a better Jimmy Stewart impression. Oh, boy. Whew. What do you got? Uh, let me try to, like, get some phlegm going <laughs> Yeah, I know, out. right? Like, uh, now, 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 now. Yeah, I'm going to try to, like, you know, uh, chew, chew my cud, like, well, see, uh, you ought to, <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> well, he does really talk though. out of the side of his mouth. He does, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, let me see if I can do it. Okay. Yeah, can you do it? Um, um, Potter, <laughs> Bedford Falls, and Mary Potter, Mr. Potter. Oh, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait Ooh, a minute. that was good. Zuzu. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just <laughs> Stranger, the impression becomes more accurate the, the less you enunciate. If you just go with sounds, you've got it. <laughs> per persuasive Stuart. Yeah, okay. Wow. Okay, this, is <laughs> this is now ASMR with Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> Old Potter. <laughs> all building and loan. <laughs> you know what was funny though? I've seen this movie probably forty times, and I still don't really know how the building and loan works. Yeah, I, I I don't either, and I'm also wondering 
you know, it just seems like he's keeping track of these things off the top of his head because you know Uncle Billy is not keeping detailed records. He's like, oh, right. but, but your money's at, at Susie's house and your, your money's at the Gilberts and your money's all over yeah, town. Yeah, 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 yeah. In the scene where they give away all their honeymoon money yeah, to, like, keep off the crowd that's revolting wants their money back, they're like, do you want me to like fill that fill out a form, write it down? He's like, no, no, I got I got it right up here. I got it right up here. It's like, no, 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 no. You're going bankrupt for like the fortieth time. <laughs> write it down, George. Learn. You have to learn. <laughs> wait a minute. 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 Well, there ought to be a. I'm gonna have to come in Owen Wilson a little bit. Wow. <laughs> uh, um, Is Owen Wilson I... just surfer Jimmy Stewart? <laughs> I love that. Wow. Wow. I'm just a wedding crasher, Mary. Potter, let's go crash that wedding, babe. Wow. Oh, we want the moon. Yeah, let's surf on up to that big old buttery moon. Yeah. <laughs> let's surf on up to that big old moon. <laughs> you know, I once watched this movie on a plane, and they had it in color, because they also have it in color. Yeah. I considered watching it in color, but then it felt like, no, oh, I would have mm. ruined Here Christmas. Here on If You're an Old Soul, we are both vehemently and vehemently, <laughs> vehemently and vehemently against colorizing old movies. Let them be what they were. It can still be an art form in black and white. We make black and white movies now. We do. Just for funsies now. Yeah, yeah. for funsies. But like, it's just better in black and white. It's how the director intended it. You don't have the right. You know, I mean, you're, you're, you're dating a director, so you understand. Like, every color is intentional, and it's not fair to color it. Right. Like, I can appreciate the work that goes into that. How someone even does that completely blows my mind. That's true. However, right, when it comes to the integrity of the original movie, the integrity, the artistic integrity of the original, <laughs> then yes, oh, black and white all the way. Please. Please. Um, I um, was writing down my favorite random old phrases. I have two that I really liked. Oh, yeah? My favorite, the first one is when uh, she's in the back of the cab after they get married and Donna Reed, aka Mary, is counting the money, the cash. And she says, huh, I feel like a bootlegger's wife. <laughs> so like, this is like 16 years after the Roaring Twenties. Or actually, they just got married, so they're probably really close to the Roaring Twenties. They're, mm-hmm. they're somewhere in the 30s. Um, <laughs> referencing bootleggers in the 20s when Prohibition, you know, and it's like, oh, wow, this is a sign of the times. Right. That's hysterical. I did, I did not register that one. Ooh, 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 that's a good one. Did you have one? I have one more, but if you have one, I want you to go next. Oh yeah, mine is um, not not really an old phrase because I wouldn't say that. Oh, this is something they said at the time, but at the very beginning, you've got uh, the angels up there and the stars, and they're talking about Clarence, and um, they're like, "Oh, old Clarence has got the IQ of a rabbit." I'm like, <laughs> oh. I did think about that. I thought that was weird because yeah. I was like, "So, how do you become an angel?" There's no IQ test to become an angel? As long as you have like a good heart, you can do it, you think? Right, yeah, if, if you mean well. And, you know, Joseph was giving Clarence advice and counsel while he was down there, so he's not on his own. Uh, it's true. It's just weird that they think he's dumb. Right. And as angels, they can freely say that he's dumb. That's that's not mean. 
in angel world yeah yeah so i thought aren't angels supposed to be like the best of us yeah and they're like oh so like poor dumb clarence the brain of a rabbit <laughs> and we're gonna send him down there and then he has pretty much power to do whatever he wants he can kill somebody yeah oh oh you froze there oh, sorry technology you, technology yeah you froze too i i said i said the words kill somebody and then did you laugh at that <laughs> How, how'd you react to that after i said it what'd you do Oh, I did. oh yeah, you. I heard you said that Clarence might kill somebody, and I would oh, 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 at okay, the thought cool. of yeah, poor yeah, old yeah. Clarence right, thank you. causing some havoc. Yeah, yes. like when he gave you all these magical powers, and you can basically do whatever you want because you have the brain of a rabbit, but a hot of gold. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we, can, oh, we have oh, to save this what? man's life, but let's send our most yeah. helpless angel. Yeah, I, they're like. Oh, we're getting so many prayers about George Bailey. Let's send the JV squad. <laughs> Doesn't seem very nice. No. Who get who gets an angel already has wings? Also, did you kind of sit there and think like, I wonder what Clarence looks like with wings? This is a great question. Right? Is he gonna get giant wings? Yeah, like you know, the size of think of if, if you make a snow angel in the snow, the size right. of those wings compared to the human body. Yeah, so now he still has a brain of a rabbit, but he can fly. But he can fly. And he'll be wearing That's not dangerous at all. No, no. He'll be wearing that, that undershirt from his wife when he died. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so now so now, like, once you have your wings, do you not get sent to Earth anymore? Or do you still get sent to Earth and now he's down there and every time he goes to treat somebody who's complaining he's like well here's what we're gonna do i'm gonna kill you <laughs> <laughs> it's worked last time trust me uh, as long as you've been nice to people we're good and then we're gonna see what life would be like without you and apparently the entire world ends if you die yeah about that danny i yes it, does it seem does it seem like a little much i mean i get potter's a bad man he's trying to buy up the town but the whole town falls into a slum and the giant cemetery and <laughs> everyone's in a bad mood. Everyone hates everyone. <laughs> I do have some thoughts about that. Okay, here are a couple of my thoughts. First off, um, I I feel like the Baileys could have just had other kids. <laughs> why, why can't they just have a different second older son? Yeah. Right. right, and and whatever son that is probably would have been in a similar situation and might have taken over the family business. Yeah, he so. would have the same genes. So right. they could have just had other kids. Um, Mary could have had Sam Wainwright and also was like, oh, you know what was really great about that? When they show Mary, um, and me and my steady gal, Tina, had the same thought. We were like, they're like, oh, this is Mary in her worst form coming out of the library. She's a quote-unquote old maid. Right. And you're just sitting there and she's like, and you're like, Oh, now she has glasses. <laughs> That's exactly what I said. <laughs> oh, she has glasses. Every '90s rom com is like, see, when you when you take off the glasses, you become hot. But when you have glasses, ah, ah. life, you're so weird looking. <laughs> I don't know how that movie trope started. Glasses are very okay to wear. Okay, John Lennon wore them. He was cool. He's wearing them right now. No, my favorite part of that also was. You know, George Bailey has just been stumbling through town. Everyone's angry. No one knows him. He winds up in a cemetery looking at the grave of poor Harry who died at eight years old. And he's seen all of this horror. 
And it's after that moment that Clarence says, Mary, oh no, I, I couldn't tell you that. It's too horrible. <laughs> I, I had the same thought. I was like, why can't he tell her? I don't understand. He just brought her to the grave of his brother. I think he'll be okay. Yeah. Like, oh, she didn't get married? That's that's the worst part of this reality? <laughs> sure. His brother is dead and his his mom, I think, is running like a, like a home for yeah yeah i right? wasn't entirely sure but i yeah. was just like mm, i get the sense bad <laughs> yeah also okay i know like the town is in his homey but it mm-hmm. seems like you know it's getting a lot of tourism yeah i mean right this is girls a, a girls girls scene. you know yeah but there's a lot of like <laughs> clubs too that doesn't have to be a bad thing i guess maybe there's still like the 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 stinge of prohibition that's not that far off from this movie but like right yeah people still like view it as sinful you know yeah but like it still seems to be like bringing in people to the town i just don't think like nightlife is the worst thing in the world right well I, yeah because they were doing those flashes of the various different uh neon signs and yes some of them were like bar bar cocktail, cocktail. one of them said come jitterbug and i was like oh Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a good thing, right? You're yeah. Bringing in people. Uh, also, I looked it up, try to figure out where this movie takes place. It definitely takes place in New York, but like Seneca Falls in New York has claimed it. And then like somebody else involved in the movie was like, it's not Seneca or said like, it's somewhere in Westchester County. It might have been a North Jersey town, but it's not really known for a fact what town it's based off, but it's like somewhere in Ooh. New York. Bedford Falls just oh interesting just so everyone knows that actually surprises me because I I felt I could relate to a lot of the small town nothing ever happens in this town uh feeling um and I grew up in the midwest so I I assumed that it was kind of in a a nowheresville uh middle Mm. of the country I mean it is in like it's in like rural New York it's not in New York City at all all right. Oh, see, but, this is my Midwest talking. When I think New York, yes, I'm like, you think New the York whole city state's is the big city. city. <laughs> it's I not st- even the capital. I know. <laughs> I stand corrected, Danny. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the problem is that, like, Jimmy Stewart, I think, is from Pennsylvania, but he just sounds like he could be from all 50 states in a way. Like, you could talk <laughs> yourself into him being from any state. Like, it could be Southern. It could be Midwestern. It could be New York. Like, all his yeah. voice... I don't know where it came from because he's from Pennsylvania, but like he really does like have just the right amount of the mid Atlantic dialogue, like dialogue, but not like too much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, there was a prompt I forgot to give you. Like I came up with it while I was watching the movie. I wanted to see who had the most mid Atlantic accent of like that. Yeah, see? Can you guess who I'm going to say has like the most, who talks the most like that, that 1930s style of talking? Ooh, this is a good question. Oh, let me think. I actually don't know who you're going to say. I don't. Okay. Well, he has my next line for my favorite random old phrases from it. Yeah. It's Nick the bartender. <laughs> oh, I... He, yeah, he threatens Clarence with it, and he puts his fists up in his Clarence's face, and he goes, Well, I have to slip you my lip for a convincer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give you a convincer. Okay. <laughs> now i'm gonna kick you out of this bar like he really talks like the 30s and i was like really glad that at least one person in this movie talked like how people theoretically talked back then right oh that's a tremendous one yeah i feel like it comes out in moments of anger the most Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. he's threatening whenever jimmy stewart goes 
Yeah, and anytime he's angry, Jimmy becomes his most Jimmy for sure. And when he's doing mm-hmm. ASMR, of course. <laughs> um, by the way, did you know that the Raven is in a bunch of of Frank Capra movies? No, I did not know this. Yeah, because we were sitting there, and we we're like, "What is this crow doing here?" Um, <sighs> no wonder they're failing, but. They have a bird. (laughs) But no, he's in a bunch of Frank Capra movies, so that's a fun fact. Um, Okay. One thing I did want to discuss before we get to its Christmassiness. How the heck do... Do you know where I'm going? Can you tell where I'm going? No, I'm amused by how you're leading this up. Okay. You're like, how? How? Okay, clearly, like, because we're in the cell phone age, we have no concept of, like, because every time I watch an old movie, the technology surprises me, mm. right? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. even in this movie, when like he has like a thing that like he has like a lighter when he says hot dog and it lights, you're like, wow, they have lighters back then. That's so impressive. Um, yeah, because oh, we have no concept of it. Do you know what I'm no saying? Now? Oh, oh no, but I was gonna comment that I actually had to yes. look up what that was. I was like, what, what? And I didn't realize. Oh, it's it's a cigar lighter, and apparently. Um, it doesn't always light up on the first try. And so that's why you use it to try to get good luck. And so if it does light up on the first try, Jimmy Stewart, Jimmy Stewart's excited. Hot dog. It worked. Hot dog. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I figured it was a lighter, but you're just like, oh, I didn't know they had that. But of like, you know, they had technology. <laughs> like they had cars by then. You're just always surprised by technology back then. Anyway, I still, despite that, have no idea how... If I am calculating the movie right, like in the mid to early 30s, they have a school gymnasium. <laughs> oh, I should have guessed. I should have known. Where the floor <laughs> can part in the middle. Yeah. And there is a pool. I know. So, okay. Yeah. So, so George <laughs> Bailey is tired of this small, poor town. He wants to go travel the world. He can't make any money in this little town, he says. <laughs> but the school uh-huh. has a gym that can open into a pool. Yeah. Which my high school, which I will admit is in an affluent part of New Jersey, never had that. We didn't even have a pool, period. We had to go to the YMCA to have swim practice. So I don't understand how this town <laughs> could be poor but have a pool gym and also how that was even possible in the 30s. Yeah. And and I was even thinking, too, from a filmmaking standpoint, I was trying to go, oh, God, did they just put – two giant wood platforms together on top of a pool and then two production assistants are pulling it apart. How are they even doing this? And <laughs> then I just yes, concluded. How are they doing this? Yeah. Then I concluded, I, I guess maybe they had retractable pools in the thirties and they got <laughs> sure. a real one. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> well, it's like when you watch things from the sixties and they have car phones and you're like, we don't have that now. Why don't we have car phones? I want a car phone. Yeah. You I know? want a car phone. Yeah, so yeah. much trouble comes from using other phone in car. <laughs> True. Let's have car phone. <laughs> also, I thought I had when they all jump in the pool at that dance was, wow, it's really freeing to not have a cell phone in your pocket. Yeah. Right. They could just do that. That's a wonderful thought. They could just go. They could just jump in the pool. Like, oh, yeah. it's, we're at our graduation dance. Let's jump in the pool. And that's like. Just a spontaneous thing you can do. You're not shackled to the your advancements. You can just have fun and not worry about the $1,000 thing in your pocket. Right. All of us would be closer to, uh, is it V? Is it Vi? I, 
I guess it must be Vi because Violet. Violet. Yeah, Violet. Yeah. Yeah. When uh, <laughs> when Jimmy Stewart humiliates <laughs> her in the middle of the street. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, he's like, let's go out. Let's go run in the field with no shoes. And she's like, but it's dirty. it's dirty. I paid money for these shoes, and I don't want to ruin it. Yeah. Did so? Buffalo Gals is a public domain song, right? Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I mean, this is this is a dumb thing to say. I know it certainly is now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. I'm pretty sure it is because, like, this movie really goes hard. Like they do. Like you said in the beginning, they're playing Christmas. They have Christmas slates for the cast when the movie starts. Yeah. But they're playing Buffalo Gals. Right. <laughs> which is not a Christmas it's song. It's not a Christmas song. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. Let me just get through some random. I I took so many notes while watching this movie, and then we'll get to his crispiness. And I'm sorry for everyone at home who just wants to get to that debate, but I have a lot of. Can I just read random thoughts to you, Speedy, that I wrote, and you can stop me if you find one interesting. Please go. How are they sledding with shovels? <laughs> good question. <laughs> right? Don't they have genitalia? Okay. Um, a lot of good cottage core in that scene. Oh, yeah. Really good flannel. Um, <laughs> I hate how mean George is, despite being this, like, underdog you want to root for. Like, his mm-hmm. first time talking to Mary in the movie, she doesn't know what coconuts are. And, and he's like, hey, brainless. <laughs> <laughs> I'm rooting for this guy. He seems like a brat, but okay. Right. Oh yeah, and even uh, in his big romantic lasso the moon date scene with with Mary, obviously we've already talked about how strange and awful it is that she ends up naked in a in a bush, in a bush. and all that yeah. kind of stuff. But even before that, you know, their idea of fun is throwing rocks into this, breaking the windows <laughs> yeah. of this man's house, <laughs> and we're yeah, supposed to be like, that's our hero. <laughs> I really don't like how upset George is the entire first half of the movie that he's in love with mary yeah he's just not a grateful person until he is killed right yeah and i don't know if we need to get too deep into the morals here but you know what what is the movie saying you know like if you do good works and you do give to others if you also at times are an abusive monster it all evens out. <laughs> you know, fine. I was sitting there. I wrote this down. My last thought that I wrote down in notes was that this movie should not be called It's a Wonderful Life. It should be called It Could Be a Worse Life. Because <laughs> the moral was like, if you didn't achieve your dreams, it's okay if you have some friends. But like the rich guys like Harry and Sam Wainwright, they seem to have friends. They do seem to have friends. And money. And money. And like, <laughs> or like a hero or something. And you're... Like, I really feel bad. Like, I feel like I don't think it's intended, but I think a takeaway from this movie is that, like, you should be a nice person, but, like, 10% more selfish. Right. <laughs> right. If you're completely selfless all the time, might drive you to suicide, you know? <laughs> but uh, That's where this movie goes. Uh, it, and- it gets really dark. And uh, I did a, an Instagram poll about it, and a lot of people, like, wrote in, like, we don't like to watch this movie because it's too dark. For Christmas time, mm-hmm. and like it is the movie. I was trying to debate like if this movie is a good hang or not, because it's basically like, watch this guy never achieve his dreams, then all of his best people die yeah. or have terrible lives because he didn't live, and then it's happy for like five minutes. Yeah, well, yeah, it was an interesting watch because I do feel like it's even though you're talking about bank loans and all types of things, and you're rooting for Jimmy Stewart even though he's kind of not treating people the best all the time it's a romp most of the way and even in the scene where they realize the eight thousand dollars is missing and uncle billy's distressed 
because he, he can't find it and the scene ends with him crying. But right before the scene cuts to the next scene, a squirrel. They have a raven, but now they have a squirrel. A squirrel. A random squirrel comes and runs up and just perches on his arm. And they're inside. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I was very confused by that. I didn't. Yeah. I don't think they set that up. Uh, if you're an old soul at gmail.com, if you have any details about why there's a squirrel in that scene. <laughs> I would really appreciate. It. Is it Bob Ross's squirrel? I don't know. It could be. Yeah, I, it's it's right. It's still managing to infuse a little bit of humor, I guess, or absurdity, even in the <laughs> dark guess. moments. And yeah, and then right before we'll get a squirrel, yeah, and right before George uh, goes and starts actually destroying things in his home. At first, he's just upset, and he's sitting with his kid, but he's crying. But the kid is putting Christmas tinsel in his hair, and it's this kind of absurd image so it's funny even though it's sad yeah um, exactly yeah but then it does hit a point where it's real dark and you just feel bad so <laughs> i will admit and i'm i'm sorry but we did skip the scene with uncle billy losing the check because i can't watch it i get so upset i understand i I'm, i feel bad yeah i did get really upset i was like oh this movie is it's moving me in yeah, a way i don't give want this guy a win gosh um okay a couple more <laughs> thoughts um Mr. Potter, and I've never been able to unwatch this, so I feel bad if I'm ruining this for anybody, but he looks so much like David Koechner, <laughs> the guy who plays the dude in the cowboy hat and Anchorman and Todd Packer in The Office. Oh, my God. He's like the thick eyebrows. That's all I can see when I look at him. He looks like that actor. I actually wish you had told me that before I rewatched it. That's all it, I can see. You're so <laughs> he right. Like he looks, he looks just like the guy from Anchorman. Like him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that, that's, that's all I can think about when I see him. Um <laughs> also here's a question i have for everybody did this movie invent gofundme <laughs> it might not be a christmas yeah. movie but it's definitely a gofundme movie yeah it certainly is right yeah yeah because right it's i mean he could have he could have gone begging i suppose but mary made it a movement yes hello mary everyone made a gofundme for him Yes. Yeah. <laughs> On behalf of George, he's really going through a hard time. If we could just pool together our efforts. Yeah. Mm. Here's a picture of my children. Please. <laughs> yes, please. Little Tommy, Zuzu. <laughs> Anything else? Also, helps? how did Zuzu get a flower in December? Okay, I'm nitpicking. <laughs> yeah, you're you going to tear in this movie limb from limb. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny. Oh, also, side note yes. before you move on. Yes. Uh, yes. Wouldn't Zuzu's petals make a great band name? Like a 100%. like a metal band, Zuzu's, Zuzu's pedals. pedals. It probably is. It's so, it's a, also like, um, my steady gal Tina thought her name was Susan. Like oh. I don't know if ever, or like <laughs> Susie. Like I don't think know if, if everyone knows that her name is Zuzu. Yeah, there were, I don't know. There was more fun names back then, like uh, my great great grandmother Otelia. I think there was a Te- Zilf- Otelia. Otelia. Yeah. Otelia. Otelia. You're breaking my heart. <laughs> yeah, there was a Zilpha Converse in my town back in the day. Um, my grandma had a friend named Photo Rebo. She also had a Where friend named from? Madagascar. <laughs> okay, no. My, I've my never grandma's heard from Illinois. <laughs> okay, no. All of my grandma's friends are named like Ruth. <laughs> Well, right. I mean, you... we still have Jimmy Stewart. You've got normal names, but also Zuzu. 
There, there was a variety. Yeah, I don't know if that's her nickname, but yeah, her name is Zuzu. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay, let's get to whether or not this is a Christmas movie. I will say this, Speedy. As soon as the movie started and I saw that Christmas was in the opening <laughs> title slate and cast, I was like, damn it, what a waste of a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> damn it, there's a, literally a picture of Santa when yeah. it says directed by Frank Capra, you see Santa. And I'm like, damn it. Yeah, I. that's really funny, Danny. I independently had the exact same experience because before I started my rewatch and we had been you know, putting together ideas for questions and criteria for if it's a Christmas movie. I'm not going to lie. I came into this expecting to say that it was not. I was like, you know, there's Christmas things in it, sure. But at the end of the day, it's not going to leave you with that Christmas feeling. But then right the moment it started and you see mistletoe, you see Santa, you see Christmas trees. Oh, no. I was like, it's all over, Danny. We have no <laughs> argument. <laughs> it comes back to or down to philosophy. I guess if the question is, was it intended to be a Christmas movie that makes it a Christmas movie? Then I guess so it was because it clearly yeah. was intended to be. Right. But as we've learned in the last 20 years or so, intention is not always execution. <laughs> so just because something's intended doesn't mean that it is one. So we can still evaluate how much of a christmas movie it really is because after you see a couple christmas images in the beginning christmas is not mentioned or shown again until i mark this down an hour and 22 into the movie oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) right and in the first scene maybe uh young boys sledding on on shovels who i guess don't have genitalia but, <laughs> I, but that's it. That's not going to hold you over for an hour in, in 20. So Yes. The, the first 10 seconds is on Christmas Eve, and then it's never on Christmas again. Like, I don't ever hear the kids say Santa or Jesus. No. They just mention angels, which I know this, not everybody knows this, but there are angels in, in Judaism, too. <laughs> so I guess if that's suddenly Christian property exclusively, I didn't know that. Right. Um, but, they're, like, it's really, like... The least amount of Christmas as possible. And then it ends before Christmas. It ends on Christmas Eve. Right. Yeah, you don't even get your Christmas day. So, mm, I, I know. know. So, so going into the movie, I was like, I think my thought is going to be this movie's a lot like Meet Me in St. Louis, which mm. is a movie people associate with Christmas because it has a very important scene on Christmas, which is Judy Garland singing Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Right. But the movie actually takes place during every season of the year. And then I came out of it being like, ah, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> but I think like Christmas Vacation, which is a movie that I was forced to watch a couple years ago. Um, it's very endearing in a lot of ways. If you like John Hughes, who wrote it, which I do, and you like a Michael Scott-like character as the <laughs> father. That movie also, when I was when I was forced to watch it for the first time, I was like, wait. This movie is called Christmas Vacation, but it ends on Christmas Eve. Ooh. What does that mean? So I think mm-hmm. It's a Wonderful Life is more like a Christmas time movie. Yeah. I I think that's safe to say. Right. It's certainly a winter classic. Um, yeah. But right. But does it help you s- actually celebrate the holiday? 
Well, and I guess that's a bigger question is what, when you watch a Christmas movie, what are you trying to get out of it? Are you trying to just feel festive and joyful? And is it a big celebration? Is, are you supposed to feel grateful for your family? And so you're going into the Christmas holiday with an appreciation for what you have. Because if it's the latter, then this movie does that. If it's yeah. the first one, no. <laughs> yeah, I think this movie is it's the right part of Christmas. It's what's good about Christmas. For what's even as a Jewish person speaking, what's universal about Christmas? Yeah, is being grateful, appreciating the people in your life. So it it does achieve that. I think what's great about this movie, and I was having this thought with 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 the steady gal when we were watching it. I was like, maybe the reason this movie doesn't always feel like a Christmas movie is because. This movie came out before Christmas was a commercial economic campaign right. to get everyone to spend money Yeah. for the last, now, at this point, last three months of the year are about getting people to spend money for the sake of the economy. But this is like, get a good deal, you know, it's better get your shopping in now. It's not Thanksgiving yet. Better go now, you know. Right. So this is just like when it was just like, yeah, Christmas is about like being with your family. Right. In, in fact, if you're a young kid um, and your, you know, version of Christmas as a kid is this is the day that I get presents. This movie is actually the anti-Christmas. This movie is about <laughs> not having money. <laughs> yeah, I do. I, I think if everyone watched this movie every Christmas, they'd probably become a better person. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You'd like your family more. Right. Be a little more grateful. Right. You'd appreciate your house even if water's pouring through the ceiling. Yeah. yeah. And you'd like turn to your wife and be like, hey, can you go ask my friends for money? <laughs> <laughs> Will you go campaign for me? I'm broke. Also, I looked it up. $8,000 since that's what he's missing at the end of the movie that he needs to break up. I, I looked up inflation for it. Did you do that too? I, you know, I meant to and then we started recording this. <laughs> so I'm glad you did. It's, okay. It's like a little over 100000 It's like $110,000, $115,000 in modern money. Uh, you know what? I, <laughs> there's no excuse for for uh, scaring your kids oh and hitting oh things in your home. Oh, stop. But oh, it does put it into perspective a little more. <laughs> Yes, when it's not eight thousand dollars, you're like, oh, that is a lot of money. Okay, like a hundred thousand dollars, yeah. And you know, and he thought he was going to go to prison. I get it, I get it. But oh, yeah. <laughs> also, um, in the bar scene where he's crying, praying to God before he goes to the bridge to theoretically jump off of it, he's yeah. actually crying in real life. Oh, really? Yeah, he got like swept in the emotions of it. Oh my goodness! Hold on, I have I have the quote that Jim Jimmy Stewart, um. He said, in 1977, he said, as I said those words, I felt the loneliness, the hopelessness of people who had nowhere to turn and my eyes filled with tears. Wow. Um, that scene I broke down did sobbing. That was not planned at all. Wow. Did you, you, you teared up a little bit? I did tear up in that scene, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I tear up when everyone, comes in at, when everyone comes in at the end, I tear up. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, a little bit too when everybody was, we love you, we love you. <laughs> <laughs> also, um, that scene did... The other thing that didn't age well from this movie is when Harry spanks, um, I guess, their maid. Yeah. You know, who's black. And that was kind of, I felt weird. It was definitely weird. It's weird. Ooh. It is weird. But at the end of the movie, she comes in and gives a bunch of money to George. So at least you feel like she has a good relationship with the family. It's not. 
yeah. as bad as like Gone with the Wind or something. Right. But yeah. I and still it, wish she didn't do it. Yeah, I still wish she didn't do it. And yeah, that whole relationship. I mean, George expressed some kind of affection for her. I think when he thought he was going to leave for college, he was like, oh, and I'm sure going to miss her. You know, so there was clearly some kind of affection there. But yeah, and yeah. she says she respects their father a lot. Yeah. Yeah, but there's still a very uncomfortable uh, hierarchy uh, or a yeah. power dynamic, also, I guess. <laughs> why? I thought they're poor. And the mom doesn't work at the building alone. So why do they have a maid? Right. Well, see, that's a thing I've, I've, yeah, that I remember as a kid and watching lots of old movies. I used to wonder that because lots of movies, they would have some kind of a maid. And I think it was uh, more common. It just wasn't that expensive. Yeah. Yeah, they do yeah. it to kill a mockingbird too. Yeah. There's that a woman that that works in the house too. So I think it was just more common back then. But right. like he doesn't save up for George and Harry to go to college, so like maybe you know, right. cook sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and like save up for your children's education. I don't know. Right. Um but at least there's like a little bit of diversity in the movie cuz yeah. the bar is so low for old movies. Oh, I know. Right, we're we're grasping for anything we can right. get. Right, like okay, at least it's not all entirely white people, but it could have done better. <laughs> yeah, it could have um, done better. Whew. Yeah, I, okay. honestly, thank goodness they brought her back at the end. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad her last scene isn't her being spanked into a kitchen. That would have really bothered me. <laughs> at least she comes back, and I'm also a little mad. I'm like, keep the money. Why are you giving him the money? Keep it. Right, you worked for that money. <laughs> yeah, 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 you you probably need that too. Please yeah. keep the money. George has $25,000 coming from Hee Haw. I I, I was going to say, after they learned that they got the wire from from Hee Haw, (laughs) aren't the townspeople like, oh, great, give me my money back. (laughs) We we love you and stuff, but you're good. You only needed $8,000. Now you've got $100,000. Yeah. Also, does he he get that in stock or just straight up? Is this $25,000 worth of shares? I forget what he said. I think it was... Or no, I think it was a $25,000 loan. Is it a loan? Oh, now we have to rewind. That's not important. But you're yeah. right. When As soon as they read that, I was like, everyone should pick up their money now. Like, Yeah, everyone get out of here. <laughs> we're like only like 15. No, we're seven years removed from the Great Depression being over. You don't have to dump out cash in this man's table. Yeah. Also, on, on the filmmaker's part, I think that having him give george twenty five thousand dollars was a little bit overkill like you have to have the townspeople show up and be like we love you george to show that him being so generous and selfless for all these years you know helped all these people and paid off for something and then they were like we have to really cement what a great (laughs) finale this is and twenty five thousand dollars like no i I love that i was so (laughs) mad that he didn't go to college or go on his honeymoon or like ever travel i wanted him to get all the money in the world so I, I, I wanted the overkill because I, I, by the end of the movie, I'm so mad at how, I mean, again, he has a lot to be grateful for. So I'm glad he is grateful for it now. Right. But it could have turned out better for him. So I yeah. wanted him to have more money. I felt really bad for him. Yeah. No, it's true. Right. But he, uh, oh, well, that that's, <laughs> that, that is a line that I really enjoy. He's like, oh, I'm getting arrested. Isn't that wonderful? Like now everything's great. Does doesn't matter. Doesn't matter anymore. Wait, who gets arrested? Oh no, when uh, when Jimmy Stewart comes back in the house after his big I wanna live. Oh again. yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm going to jail. I'm going to jail. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um oh, one other thing 
2K. Two more things, and then if you have any closing thoughts, or we can wrap this up. But one, Bert and Ernie. Bur- yes. The cab driver and the cop, Bert and Ernie. Yeah, Bert and Ernie. Origin. I didn't look up if that's where it came from. Did you look that up? Is that where it's coming from? No, it's I, I wondered and then was lazy and did not look it up. <laughs> if you don't, soul at gmail.com if Bert and Ernie, the cab driver, and the cop are where those names came from. Um, and then number two, this is a very small line, but I felt like it should be the new slogan for our podcast. Ooh. When his dad says to him, you were born older, George. He's like, what's that? <gasps> you were born older. I was like, that's a really good slogan for our podcast. Ooh, yeah, let's steal it. <laughs> mm, yeah, just, you were born old, older, George, slash Danny and Speedy. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, any closing thoughts or anything else that you want to mention that's Wonderful Life? Ooh. I'm scrolling through all my notes. Yeah, I'm, I'm also I'm over on the side here. I've got my notes pulled up. Let's see. So are we? it's a Christmas movie. Are we saying that? Yeah. It's a reluctantly. Yeah, I, I like it was. I, yeah, it's intended to be a Christmas movie, but it's not very Christmas centric. I think it's a holiday movie. Yeah. I think it's the definition of a holiday movie. Yes, I agree, and I think all the points we arrived at throughout this, uh, to summarize, I think right, it was intended as a Christmas movie. I think that if Christmas hadn't changed over time for people, that it would still be. Um, but now it's more like, I wish, yeah, if, if people watched it every year, they'd probably be a better person. <laughs> so, so, yeah. Yes. Like, yeah, I think it's like, it's not a very Christmas movie, but it's the right kind of Christmas movie. I, I hope people watch this movie more Yeah. because it has the right morals. Yeah. And, you know, as a kid growing up, I would get mad when people called it a Christmas movie because my dad and I would watch it every December and I'd be like, hey, I like this movie. It speaks to me, too. Why can't it just be a holiday movie? So I think like as opposed to like Christmas Vacation, which is just like all about everything that has to do with Christmas tradition and like different American things that we have to do, like getting a tree and all that stuff and yeah, presents like this movie is just like family is great. Don't take your friends for granted. Hee-haw. <laughs> hee-haw. In closing, hee-haw. 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 <laughs> Sorry, I'm just reading all my notes. Okay, yeah. I think we're good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I have lots of... Yeah, I don't think anything that's suitable for a closer. Uh, but just, you know, like, why were those children acting like adults at the ice cream bar in the beginning? You know, just stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also, like, how are there no rules for heaven? How come Clarence can just come down and be like, yeah, so I, um, I have to earn my wings. And uh, it's part of the program. It's very standard. Mark Twain's working on a new book in heaven right now. Right. How come he could just go spill all the beans like that? And, like... Yeah. So what exactly happens after the last scene in this movie? Like, they get all the money, things are good, and then Mary's like, so what happened tonight? Because I was a little worried that you were going crazy. <laughs> and he's like, oh, well, uh, an angel visited me, of course. <laughs> oh, okay. I don't think you're crazy anymore. It's all good. You worked it out. Yeah, you seem to have worked it out. Yeah, and everyone in town saw him acting wild he was at the bar yeah. he crashed that car yeah. right yeah you you still drunk drove right yeah oh yeah he drunk drove 
Oh, yeah. And then after uh, he got out of the water, after saving Clarence, the um, I forget what the guy's name is who was the... watching the bridge. Yeah. He, he heard Clarence saying all the angel stuff and then left right, in right. fear. Say, what, what happened? <laughs> also, like, obviously he should go in and save Clarence's life. That's like what anybody should do. Yeah. But he did go deaf from essentially doing that before. So, like. Couldn't he go deaf in the other ear now? He went back into icy waters to save somebody's life. Yeah, but the science is a little hazy on that. Can True. cold water make one ear go deaf? Oh, if you get an infection, right? They had different medicine back then. But even yeah. like Zuzu, like they're like, oh, her coat was unbuttoned on the way home from school, and now she has a cold. Like you do not get a cold in four hours. <laughs> she got a cold today. <laughs> well, I love the, the specificity with how she knew that was the moment that she caught the cold. Yeah, yeah she caught it uh, on the five-minute trip between school and home, yes. And then and then four hours later, she's diagnosed. The doctor <laughs> has already come and said, you have a cold four hours later or however since she got home right. from school. And then the daughter keeps playing piano in the living room. And George is like, what I really want is for you to get some rest. <laughs> just sleep through this piano and me yelling and throwing everything on the ground. Can you just sleep through that, please? Do me a favor. Yeah, I'm actually destroying the home. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> you just please sleep. Um, also, I think you mentioned that Vincent Price... Yeah. Is that true? I didn't I didn't know that. Oh, you didn't know that? Yeah, there there were a couple people that were considered for the role of Potter. I don't remember the other ones, but I yeah, always Yeah, there were a bunch. Yeah, there were a bunch, but I always remembered that Vincent Price was considered because wow, what a different film that would have been. <laughs> Everybody at home Vincent Price is the voice in the the Thriller song. That's him. He's a very famous actor from a lot of horror movies from the yeah, and love 60s. House on Haunted Hill, if anybody has seen that. Mm. Um, yeah. And I just picture Pottersville under the leadership of Vincent Price. <laughs> It'd be dark. Yeah, it'd be dark. It'd be so spooky. Whoa. Okay, one last thought. Do you think that this movie, I think we kind of touched on this, doesn't understand the butterfly effect at all? <laughs> hmm. Yeah, this is this is a good question. It's not a good representation. Oh, you know what? No. I have I have one more thought I want to get out. I think why this movie works mm. is because it did what Groundhog Day does, where it never, and movies make this mistake now, like when they redid Ghostbusters, um, it doesn't rely on any special effects, and it doesn't try to show the magic of what's happening. It just happens, and it looks regular. And Clarence is just a human. They yeah. don't try to do something that inevitably won't hold up when a technology improves in 10 years. It just kind of happens. Right. And the most special effects there are are some stars that twinkle. Yeah, I was going to say the one exception is when they show the angels in heaven (laughs) talking and they light up the stars, which, right, obviously not how any filmmaker would do it now, but I liked it. I thought it was Yeah, I I think it it makes it hold up. Yeah, I think it holds up for sure. Yeah. There were some film wipes too. Like again, like when you're watching a movie, every time you're like, "I'm so impressed that they could do film wipes." Wow. Yeah. What oh a yeah. Transition. And don't forget, they did the freeze frame at the beginning when they're talking about George Bailey, and then you see him for the first time as a grown man, and then uh, Jimmy Stewart's frozen, 
you know, and that's George. And they're talking over the freeze frame. I was like, oh, they did stuff like that in, in film. I had the exact same experience. I literally like, because I was taking notes, and I was like, freeze frame, and I wrote in all caps. Like, there's a freeze frame in 1946. Like, it like stops on George Bailey. And in the modern era, you're waiting for like Jimmy Stewart's voice to come in and be like, now you're probably wondering why <laughs> I'm going away from my hometown. Yeah. Hi, I'm George Bailey, and, and this is my life. <laughs> you wouldn't believe it, but in two days from now, this man's going to be hanging over the side of a bridge. How will I get <laughs> <Yeah>. there? <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like American Beauty. He's like, and 24 hours, I'll be dead. <laughs> <laughs> but instead, it's just like Clarence being like, stop the tape. He's like, wow, this movie is really modern. It's a really... Like you mentioned, there's a lot of people that ended up working on the screenplay. There were like three different drafts and then some. Yeah. But it really has like a very modern screenplay, like the freeze frame and like the stuff like that where like they actually talk like human beings and <laughs> every character like talks differently and has their own catchphrase and you feel like you know the whole town. It's like a little episode of Cheers. Like you just feel like you know the whole town. It's it's just it's it, this movie works so well. Yeah. They do a great job of right giving you a taste of exactly who someone is when you meet them, and everybody is distinct. Like, again, hee-haw is an interesting way to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give you a convincer. <laughs> yeah. And uh, right, in one drunk scene with Uncle Bailey, and he, you know exactly who he is. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that too. Um, well, I, I think we were saying that this is a Christmas movie, but it's it's only a compliment to the movie to say that it's even more than one holiday. It's just a universally good-natured movie. So it is a Christmas movie and then some because that's how great of a movie it is. Is that fair? I think that's totally fair. Yeah. And, and I think the parts of myself that want to disqualify it from being a Christmas movie are the parts of me that are shallow. And um, this movie <laughs> makes me want to reconsider. <laughs> <laughs> But also, how do they sled on a shovel? How? <laughs> Didn't they use lunch trays? I thought that's what they did back then. <laughs> on a shovel. That's got to hurt. He should have already been in pain before he got down to the ice. Right. Moving down. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's, uh, he was going to have problems no matter what. Poor guy. Yeah, yeah. He's, they're sledding on a shovel. Hee-haw. Hee-haw. <laughs>